0: when i was a tween and in retrospect all those recordings were obscene but now i'm an adult and i can laugh at myself why not play them for someone else these are the tapes and i hope you enjoy a slice of nostalgia through the ears of a boy travel back in time with the familiar sound Let's all get lost and rewound.
1: Lost and Rewound, episode thirteen, Talk to You Drop, featuring special guests Abe Danz and Sarah Danziger.
0: Happy New Year, everybody. This is Lost and Rewound. I am Alan. I'm Doug.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: And we are here to play back all this awesome audio, cause that's what we're here for. Fantastic show is on deck for you this time. And if this is your first time listening, allow me to break it down for you. When I was in middle school during the mid-90s, I carried a handheld tape recorder with me almost everywhere I went. Pretty much everywhere. These recordings were called the Danziger Zone, and they collected dust for nearly two decades. Now it has fallen on us as a collective to listen with fresh ears and provide commentary as we dive into the rough and raw sounds of old media, specifically that of the cassette tape and certainly and primarily hopefully more than just my own output ultimately we hope to achieve absolute humility as we come to grips with the sounds of our youth and attempt to connect the dots between then and now. let's begin. <laughs>
2: To lost and rewound this is our first episode of 2014 one production note as we go into it we're moving over to soundcloud slowly but surely Woo-hoo. and um we have uh just added one thing specifically to soundcloud which is two recordings that were submitted by awesome friends at the awkward phase uh specifically jane and Lindsay. And they're great. They're only on our SoundCloud page, so go to soundcloud.com slash lostandrewound to listen to them.
1: We are trying to get, I think, all of our stuff over there eventually.
2: It's it's happening. That is correct. We will basically, we'll have the latest 10 episodes will be in iTunes, and the rest will be on SoundCloud.
1: And everything will still be linked up on the website as well.
2: Right. lostandrewound.com. Woohoo! Let's start with our first interview.
0: on the show with us is our pal Abraham Denz hanging out with us from the frigid doldrums of upstate New York. Are your toes getting enough heat tonight, Abe?
3: Yes, I had them against warmers all day. Ooh.
1: You manage- so you are managing to stay warm in the midst of this polar vortex where it's fucking freezing?
3: Oh, yes. Well, I deliver the mail. Ah! Oh. So since the last yeah. time you
0: joined us, uh, which is almost a year ago... Um, you were talking about physical therapy school, but it
1: seems as if that has changed. Oh yes. I'm assuming you do. Act- you work for the Postal Service, correct? Yes. So, I-, I didn't know they were hiring anymore. I thought that kind of like. Uh,
3: no, that that came up at the end of last summer. There yeah. were notices all around, and post offices all around my area, for uh, hiring. The uh, the unions got a another job, huh. another position. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So what is life like as a mail- mailman? What's your, what is a day at work like?
3: Well, uh, you, you go into your office, you know, around the back and you, you know, you clock in, you get told what you have to do first. You know, it's different for people who are, uh, who are doing it as a career. But uh, in my position, um, I, you know, it's sort of something different every day.
0: What's it like driving on the other side of
3: the car? Is it's, it's, that, That's what I, <laughs> I always say, Have you thought. gotten
1: to drive the mail truck yet?
3: Actually, it's kind of cool because, yeah, oh, yeah, plenty of times. Um, I, I have, you know, routes I do all day in the truck and stuff like that. But um, I get to uh, – well, when, when, you, when you go through the training, you get to drive the truck. So you get to like – they give you a second to just kind of like – it's kind of like a go-kart course is what it feels like with those trucks where you're like – driving behind or, you know, with, with two or three other trucks in front of you, like in this caravan through this like loop that you're on, like in this little parking lot in White Plains and you're, you know, like driving and it's just like the other people who are training are there driving and everybody's just kind of getting used to the vehicle a little bit and they give you a chance to just sort of like go and drive it a bit. Um, But there's all kinds of things that really help you to know that you're, you're in the right spot on the road. Um, like mirrors, you know, on the uh, on the left side of the front of the vehicle, so that you can see where the the yellow line is in relation to your your, your vehicle. You know, stuff like that is very very
2: helpful. So I'm picturing after hours mail delivery truck races on this go kart track, <laughs> and it seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it it it's fun. What, what what I got to do was really fun. Yeah, yeah. I
3: don't oh. know about any of that, but yeah.
0: Those who remembered uh, your 11 to 12-year-old output from the last time will recall these bizarre bus ride clips where we would uh, have you record Abe attacks. Um, yeah. I guess we, we had you back tonight. Uh, first of all, it's your birthday coming up, so it feels just so right yes, to be bringing you here pre-birthday. Uh, to oh. have you, uh, well, first of all, you're a great guest, and second of all, um you're hilarious both now and in your 11 12 year twelve-year-old form. So I think we just had these clips for you uh and for everybody else to hear. Let's take a listen to this first Abe attack.
4: attack! Hey! 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 What? Settle down. Okay. I'm back there. Well, mom, no, I'm actually not emotional; I'm just acting. All right.
2: Hey, hey, hey! Calm down, settle down back there. Don't get emotional. <laughs> you
0: got yourself a deal. That sounded kind of like uh, like you were doing more movie impressions. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, I, um, I remember Abe. Last time we had John, we talked about the Abe attacks a little bit and that you sort of later went on to get into acting and whatnot. And I heard you in that clip you referenced said, you said, I'm not freaking out. I'm not doing whatever it was. I'm acting. I
3: I, I said that, right? Yeah. You did say that. Okay. I don't, I don't remember any of that. Yeah. But who was saying, who was saying don't get emotional?
0: That would be uh, George. Wasn't that his name? Remember the bus driver we had?
3: Oh
0: yeah.
2: That old fart. You remember that clip now? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, was know. he an old fart or was he just like thirty-five? Uh, no, no, he was definitely. <laughs> old.
0: I feel well. Here's so here's an interesting sort of parallel because I always thought I never saw a bus driver who wasn't like some old senior citizen, pretty much. Who sure, just was like eh, well. a retirement
2: job, and then they're just like some side money so driving was, a bus.
0: He was just some surly old man. He he was a son, he was just a nice wanted to guy. be
2: able to yell at some kids every once in a while.
3: Well, George patient... was
2: no senior citizen and he used to call
3: us Buster all the time. He used to <laughs> almost say bastard or bitch or motherfucker, but he sometimes would just, you know, he would you know, veer off into Buster at the last second when he was saying that. I thought know. His name was
0: George. I <laughs> forgot his name. I feel like they're all named like George or Phil or Jim, I don't know.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh. I can swear on here, right? That's
2: okay.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. this
1: goes on the internet. You we, can say whatever you would want.
2: We prefer it, honestly. When Thank you, you. When motherfucker.
0: So when did you first get into acting uh tacking onto what Melissa was saying? And what was your first show?
3: I mean like when I really had a part and like came on and did something, I was like I was 12 and I was in uh waiting for Godot. Now, that was at the gate, sorry. By Luigi Pirandello.
0: What is that show? I'm not familiar with that show exactly. It's a it's a, va-
3: a show about a series of characters that find themselves in a place, and you, um, uh, you come to realize as you watch the show that they're at the, they're like in a in a purgatory,
0: sort of like uh, Huy Klo, um, in a sense, like a shot like Satra. Yep. sort of like Lost as, yeah.
1: as well. Oh, yeah, and as well. was sort of that same era of weird, slightly absurdist, slightly existential.
3: Six characters. Yeah. yeah.
1: That whole yeah. period of theater. What character did you play? Uh,
3: I was this boy that had broken his neck trying to pick a pomegranate. Okay.
1: Hey.
2: Not worth it. They're yeah. not that good. <laughs>
3: no, it's, uh, that's the whole point. You know? Also,
1: too, though, pomegranates uh, in mythology are the fruit of the underworld as well. Modernist yeah. theater being super symbolic.
0: Were you, were you excited? Was that an exciting thing? Was that, something, like... was that something you wanted to get into, or was that something that your uh, parents pushed you into?
3: urged you, I should say? Um, oh, boy. That is a question I've been jostling with lately, actually. Um, I'm not sure. That is something that is, is a little of both, I think. Um,
2: is there something that happened recently to bring up that question for you on your own?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, a series of things. But I, I don't really want to you know, cover all that grim stuff. Um, all right. Well, that grim. But, you know, it's just sort of a... It was, uh, you know, a tough, a tough period that kind of make you reflect on things,
2: you know. Yeah, delivering and, uh, delivering parcels in the winter will do that to somebody, I think.
3: <laughs> no, it was before that. Oh, so this was okay. supposed
1: to be the good part. Yeah, I guess we yeah. also last time you're on the show talked a little bit too about how you you moved down to the city relatively young to sort of pursue acting. Yeah, for, not too long after. Yeah, and for a bit as well. So, are you sort of in a life a different direction phase in life right now, or?
3: Uh, yeah and no you know you know i mean it's 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 like yeah i'm not pursuing acting yes that's different direction um i'm not i mean i'm open to it but i'm not quite interested in it right now
0: do you think the uh, upbringing that you had going to school for acting in sort of was is as it a, as a result of that upbringing of going to school that you're not involved in it as much as you could be?
3: No, I think it's just a – I don't really know. I mean, I, I just spent so much time doing that. It didn't really go anywhere, and, uh, and it wasn't going anywhere, so I
2: found something else. Oh, there's someone beeping at my apartment. Who could that be? Well, that mean, it means I'm correct.
3: Yeah, that must <laughs> be it. Yes.
2: Okay,
0: m- moving on. Um, when you were yeah. acting and moved to the scene, how how did it how did it, you know how did it go in terms of immersing yourself into the school as somebody who was involved in acting, but not nearly as much as say the people that were already established
3: child actors. Um, like any other high school, just everybody's actors. <laughs> I mean, and there were still, yeah, there were still, cool,
1: there were still cool kids and nerds and cliques, and it oh was... yeah,
3: you were you. Well, here's the cool, here's the cool part about that story is that, is that uh, for the first about two years there, I really didn't have a a group, you know, I really yeah. didn't have a a you know a, a mainstay of people. I had my little individual friends in different classes, and you know, no, none of us we never banded together, and I was trying to find my place, and for two years I didn't. At the end of the second year i or the beginning of the third year actually I think I started to uh meet the people that, you know, I was gonna be spending the rest of my time with there. And um there was the cool kids click which was made up of, you know, kids that were working um legitimately or uh or, or jocks, which was interesting. You know, the jock types sort of gravitated toward the, you know uh entitled types, I suppose you could say that. But um you know, after that, uh, my friends and I ended up kind of becoming cooler than them, right. Because we were more inclusive of everybody, correct? Um, and we we were we were kind of branded the nerds, but we were more the collection of geeks and dweebs and oddballs. The misfits you know, became we the, popular like that's, that's, we that's, the popular ones.
1: I feel like that's we usurped
3: the popular ones. We did like, actually. Yeah.
1: I feel like that's the ending to many '90s feel-good high school movies. Yes.
3: It actually had. We got to live that. I think that's Since you
1: went to that. performing arts high school too, was there just ridiculous bursting none out of, of the song us... and dance that went along yeah. with this
3: change Something of... Off the walls. Yeah, but none of us got laid.
1: Of course, because it only happens in Hollywood. Well, I don't even know if they get laid in those 90s movies. <laughs> Were there, as
0: uh, an actor... Who was around? Plenty of other actors that you looked up to. Oh, there's an extra from last show that we had you on, where we were talking about Nicolas Cage. So Nicolas Cage had a pretty profound effect on you. And what other actors? I mean, we're, I mean, there, there's. It seems like uh, from the clips that I was listening to that there were a number of sort of key actors of the comedy canon in the '90s that had a profound effect on you. No.
3: Um. Yeah, I mean Jim Carrey definitely did when I was when I was that age. Yeah. What's
0: your favorite movie by Jim Carrey?
3: In well, it? it was Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, of course. Of course. But
0: then he yeah. went to do on do so much though. All the movies that came oh. out in the mid '90s, you were just like became a Jim Carrey fanatic and you were just like following all this stuff. Or was it he
3: just sort of went downhill
0: pretty quickly for you?
3: Uh, I I followed all this stuff through the '90s, pretty much into the late '90s. Yeah. It,
0: in this clip we're about to hear, uh, you present a rather lackadaisical impression, I should say, of Jim Carrey. <laughs> Let's take a listen.
4: Before I talk, you listen. Yeah! Hi, it's me Brooks again. I'm gonna have to conduct an interview. First I have to think on who it is. I'm gonna have an interview with the mask. Hi, Jim Carrey. All right, cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm divorcing my wife, and I was divorcing her in the first place, and I'm Marion Karen Diaz. Okay, well that was a bit of interesting, nice stuff. Right, um, cool. What's your new movie going to be called? I got two words for you. That doesn't seem like the Jim Carrey, I know. Well, maybe Doug. I read this magazine article. I'm actually a really look alike actor, but my real name's Abe. Okay, very right, cool. Okay, um, <laughs> what's your favorite word? <laughs> At stewards, what's your favorite word? Shithead. <laughs> that was stewards again. What's your favorite word? Forgot. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm glad we had this nice little talk. Do you have any closing words for your many billions and zillions of fans? Yeah, I got two words for them. <laughs> we all had that coming, right? Yeah. Okay. Bye. And remember, I talk, you listen.
0: I should have probably prefaced before the playing of the clip that um, I played all these tapes for my mother and felt the need to bleep out fuck in every. I was about to ask if that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I sort of assumed that that was a fuck or a fuck you that was missing, and the question was it going was to the be.
0: the only word I think that I ever edited out and recorded over for censorship purposes.
1: Now, did you did you edit... Did you um, censor them when you were a child and sharing them with your mother? Was this later as oh, a Oh, no, no,
0: no. It was absolutely when I was a child because I always had to play tapes for my mother. Terrible that I should admit this, but whatever. I don't care. It's lost and rewound. We're shameless. <laughs> so
2: you had to play them or you were I just felt obligated to?
0: No, no, no. I was so excited every time I would record a tape, but then like you never knew what people were going to say. And so I guess... By the time that I was 11 or 12 years old, and in that time frame, I was using swear words, and I wasn't really allowed to swear at my mother, but I could certainly swear around her, which is not something that a lot of kids were able to do in households growing
2: up. That's all well and good, but it does not answer my question. I was. Did you play them for, for her because you were excited about the content, or was she. Was it uh, sort of obli- monitoring you in some way, sort of and saying, "Alon, you have to play me that"? Sort of an obligation.
1: No, definitely,
0: definitely the former. I think okay. she, at, at awesome. one point she was just sort of like, "Can we not listen to this?" <laughs> uh-huh. She did. Yeah, uh-huh. she but, was sick of listening to the Danzigers own. But, but but I think it, at, while I was at it, um, I knew that if Abe was going to be saying "fuck you" uh, five times in one clip, I probably had to edit that to reflect that. Mm, you know, you don't need to hear this, Mom. Anyway, back to you, Abe. Um,
1: oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have we talked about on the show? I feel like we might have had this conversation already. The age, like when you first started learning to swear the age you really started to understand what cuss words were and have we have we talked yeah. about that have we talked about that team? I think we've
2: covered that a little bit. Uh, what did you have uh any any no, bits I, about it?
1: Not any good stories. It's that's one of those sort of coming of age moments that we sometimes get stuck on that the first time you like also to like the first time you hear your par your parents cuss and you realize like, like the first time I heard my mom say fuck, I couldn't believe it. It was
3: Never bothered me when my parents swore. It was worse when I caught them having sex.
2: Yeah, that sounds worse. Right. It wasn't even my parents. <laughs> well, that, yes. then who was what? it? I don't my even. Under, I don't understand.
3: My mom with her boyfriend. Mm. Right. Mm. My, they were divorced. When did already. they get divorced? But I never saw my parents having sex. Right. That's the real, you know, sanity breaker. Right.
1: My parents always locked the door, but that was the only time they ever locked their bedroom door, and so that like, my brother and I both figured out really early on, like that the locked door was, oh God, mom and dad are having sex now.
0: I- I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna backtrack though and say that I did get mad every time my dad said a swear word when I was younger, um, like when I was like maybe seven or eight, and I would catch him swearing, and I would go into a, a hizzy. I would be like, No, you don't say that. You don't say that word, Dad. That's a bad word. I would get really Like, really hot. uh, And how how
2: did he take this? Was he just like, shut up, son?
0: Yeah, like, I I just got really bothered about it. I got really annoyed. Uh, But then eventually, I guess I just sort of realized, this is what you do when you're upset alone. It's something that just comes inherently.
1: Something adults do. (laughs) I, I remember actually more as a kid, even to, not like my parents swearing, but there were certain words, like, around all the nice ladies at church and grandma, like, there were certain words that were okay to say at home. Like, sucks. Like, sucks wasn't real. Sucks isn't a s- swear word or anything like that, but you weren't supposed to say that at church. hmm Or, like, butt, booger.
2: What did you need to say booger in church?
1: I don't know, but those, there was, like, a list of words. It was, like, butt, booger, fart, sucks, um, shut up. Uh, there like, I can't remember all of, uh, all of them now, but there was, like... You
0: wouldn't be allowed to say them on the bus if there were audible... Um, expletives or
2: whatnot like that. Yeah, any of the words that of, even
1: remotely bordered on possibly yeah. PG-13 or not... Driver, sure,
2: George would turn this bus around. He
1: would stop the bus. I do recall him stopping huh. the bus a few times
0: with even, like, there was that kid, Mike Rich, who would maybe, like, say some really gross stuff really loud because he couldn't say anything quietly. And then he would just stop the bus on the side of the road. He would turn around in this very sort of lurching style. And then he would look at the kid and just be like hope you don't speak like that at home. You got that? Like, you just get real, real quiet. And... <laughs> Cut out of back there, buster.
1: <laughs> Is that your impression of George the bus driver? I think like
0: something like that. Let, let, I, need, I need to uh, address I'm this. I'm
1: gonna buster you, <laughs> know. You, buster. Said, you
0: said Cameron Diaz before. I th- it was because of you that I always thought that yeah. that's exactly how her name was pronounced until... Uh, I found otherwise. You were my, you were my
1: Jim Carrey. Well, yes. Elan,
3: you know that's the whole reason she lost all that weight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, I'm confused.
1: I, th- I thought she was still pretty skinny in the mask. Like that, she's yeah. Fat. She
3: looked good in the mask, and then you know she starts having a career after that. And uh, what, what's what's with the the yoga, uh, vegan thing?
1: Yeah, you she, she is
0: with all that yoga.
1: She got crazy weird Hollywood skinny. Yeah,
3: she lost all the goodness. You know, she lost what everybody was, you know, going ga gaga, gaga, going all over.
1: That know, was, that's what they were doing. That was also. That's kind what,
3: if you, if yeah, you if that's you what go they were doing. To any group of you know mechanics, in like, what was it ninety four? Wait, why mechanics? the mechanics? For think.
2: instance, the mechanics in the
3: movie The Mask. Oh right. They, you know, what do you think of Cameron Diaz and The Mask? They go gaga, gaga,
1: going. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly it right. Gave her a career. Oh, oh, like, that was her. That was her first big movie, wasn't it? Like that sort of. Oh, Propelled her, was. yeah, like that. Suddenly, everybody's paying attention Absolutely. to who
0: she was. A lot of people were starting to pay attention to her as soon as that movie. That we have Jim Carrey to thank for uh, all of his hit movies, and us now having attention to all of those actresses that worked opposite of him in the nineties. I don't know. Can you? Th-
2: what's one other one? Well, uh, I mean, well,
0: who is playing? Jeff Daniels? He yeah, exactly. Well, wasn't. Uh... <laughs>
2: Lauren Holly's doing awesome right now. Hey, I I didn't know who Lauren Holly was until Dumb and Dumber, right? Okay, so she got to do Mikhail's Navy after that?
1: How's life going now? What else has she done?
0: (laughs) The the, the mask was, it it had an impression on me, um, not even because it was a Jim Carrey movie, but because it it really was Cameron Diaz's breakout role. And we all talked about her constantly.
2: Well, yeah, it was a movie that was perfectly geared at eleven to twelve year old boys that were like sort of interested in women, but also wanted to watch cartoons, and it was like a cartoonishly crazy movie.
1: And you know, I I was actually going to ask if anybody else remembers. uh, I think it came out later in the '90s, the Mask animated series. Oh, Oh, sure, yeah, it was okay. Right, it wasn't as good as the movie, but I, I I almost remember that better than the movie because I, yeah.
0: It just dawned on me though, Abe. Last time you talked about. Jessica Rabbit having that profound effect on you as a boy, you know, you know, yep. the, the, the discovery of sex and the first real attraction you had, and oddly enough, it makes sense because the mask has kind of that same Who Framed Roger Rabbit effect in that it's sort of a cartoon within an, uh, a movie. And Cameron mm-hmm. Di- Diaz, Cameron Diaz, Diaz,
1: had that Jessica <laughs> Rabbit again. effect. Was well, so like both um, the mask and Who Framed Roger Rabbit are certainly they're that's that cartoon, right, And who framed Roger was actually animated too, but it is sort of that, what I would almost call a live action cartoon that yeah. was very cartoon styled, even though it was mostly real, mostly live actors.
2: Yeah, most um, definitely. And it had that sort of nightclub cabaret performance, slinky dress. Yeah. That, whole, that whole aspect to it was very similar between Cameron Diaz's character in that movie and Jessica rabbit in, in who framed that damn rabbit. Indeed. Um, mm. I guess, and I just want to say that I had uh, Cuban Pete on a single, and I burned that motherfucker mm-hmm. out. I Loved that song. Mm-hmm. We had we had a a guy who was on our bus, a kid who was on
0: our bus, Ian, who did that for the lip sync. Nice. Was, it was pretty great. <laughs> Abe, uh, yeah. talking about all these Jim Carrey movies, how did you enjoy his performance in uh, the Tim Burton cult classic Batman Forever?
3: Um. Well, let me just correct something, backtrack a little bit here. I was the guy that did the lip sync performance of Cuban Pete West in West our school. Yes. Oh my
0: god, that's right. And you and Ian both were the Cuban Pete kids. You
3: both did your yeah. own
0: performances. Wow. How
3: did that's it go? Right. Over? I was the other one, right? He did one as well. That's right. Yeah. How we did, did it go?
5: Schools.
3: Oh, it was it was incredible. Um my mom actually choreographed this whole thing for us it was, it was pretty fun
0: amazing
3: um but anyway jim carrey playing the riddler was really uh one of those things that one of those times when you're like oh they're making a movie with the riddler i hope they get jim carrey and then they do and uh and it delivers in every way I,
1: the but, actor that was born to play the role in...
2: I, it, right Alon, you mentioned that as a tim burton movie is that a tim burton movie i thought he quit after oh the no, no, no no
0: no no you're totally right wow he produced um, that one, though. Joel
2: Schumacher directed it.
0: Though. Right, but it was God still... God damn it.
1: It was still... I think it still falls under the umbrella of Tim Burton's Batman movies. I, it was...
0: But, you know, honestly, between... I think it was uh, the last
1: one, though, because it was also the one with Bat- Alicia Silverstone. The first two were
0: true Tim Burton, and the, the next two were really the Joel Schumacher shite that... Uh, Really, kind of ruined the franchise. Um, yeah,
1: but
2: that one was sort of in between. It wasn't as bad as the next one, but it wasn't as good as the previous. Yeah. So, but yeah, he was Jim Carrey was definitely the obvious choice for that role, and I think it made sense. It was just a matter of who was in charge of the movie because it came off kind of slapsticky in the in the version that exists, and it might have been a little bit more serious and terrifying if it had been Tim Burton. Well, uh, I think in charge of it.
1: Even the two, the earlier two, though, with um that Tim Burton directed. Yes, they they had that sort of dark Tim Burton-y feel to them, but they still were comic book movies. They were still a little tongue in cheek. It wasn't
2: sure. Yeah, we're not
1: talking Christopher Nolan here. It's,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, the the first one had Jack Nicholson playing ridiculous as the Joker. Yeah, which worked great, but it was ridiculous. And the second one was so terrifying that I like had to like With leave the, the movie theater. Yeah, it was gross and like hideous. And the Penguin is this like goofball. I wear a monocle.
1: I kind of a, yeah, I
2: I, look like a beach ball character, and they just made it into this terrifying, like I have a lobster claw hand. Like, what the fuck's going on? Just, I don't know. I, I couldn't take it as an eleven year old. He was my favorite one of the. I yeah,
1: they had they had to do something though to balance out the sexual tension with Catwoman. I mean, that, and I think that was sort of interesting. Did they? Yeah, I well, I you could have watched two hours of Michelle Pfeiffer. I know. I,
3: <laughs> I quoted the movie yesterday. Uh, when I was walking out of a building to go to another building to deliver more mail, I was walking out and I went, you lousy minx, I don't have your speed! You send signals! And I don't think I like you anymore!
0: Christopher Walken is brilliant in that movie. Um, That movie was really where I really started to appreciate Batman. I know for a fact that you are a diehard Batman fanatic. uh, From what I understand as far as incorporating... Your affinity for him into a love that that is that good old fashioned cosplay, Abe. How did you get into Batman cosplay?
3: Uh, okay.
1: And what? I, cos- I threw it I on you. Since Alon has uh, brought has whipped this out on us, what character do you cosplay as? Do you actually cosplay as Batman himself, or and some of the other villains?
3: No, just Batman. Just
1: Batman.
0: How long yep. have you been doing it for?
1: Which version of Batman?
3: Yeah, fifteen years. 17, wow. 17 years almost now. Yeah, that's um, that's,
1: that,
0: that's incredible. That's well, that's a dedication.
1: And, w- and which Batman? Well, I
3: haven't. You know, the, 15 years ago there wasn't much of a venue for for that kind of thing, and you know, I did Halloween, and and then when I was in college, I did you know appearances nightly on my campus. Um, you know, not every night, but you know, multiple times a month usually. Um, and uh, uh I mean, I got into it because of some. Trauma earlier on in life, and that was always a character I stuck to. And then uh, I just, you know, decided... Uh, no, it was actually when I was in the performing arts high school, and I was about 15, 16, my friends wanted to do a, a theatrical Batman play. They wanted to put on a Batman play. Nice. And then it became a movie, and they wanted me to play him, and I was like, yes, that's great. And then uh, I started putting together costumes. And then ever since then, I just have kept putting together the costume.
1: Now, which Batman do you dress up as? Are you Adam West-era Batman? Are you mid-90s nipple suit Batman? I mean, there's lots I've of- always
3: gone through different versions of it. I'm finding my own uh, over over the years. But um, I, I let's see, I kind of started out with sort of a Clooney-Keaton version that was very shoddy looking and then went into kind of a combination of, you know, the, the Keaton mask with some tights where they're like kids' long johns. Um, and uh, then after that I got more into the bale kind of look with the, the segmented cowl and the, the wetsuit and everything. Um, and then, and since I've been trying to get away from that and into the Arkham video game look actually. I see. Yeah. And I've been teaching myself sculpting since August. That's really cool.
0: What is so is yeah. it so the, the love of Batman is what got you into more of a fine arts uh spectrum, I suppose.
3: Yeah, I would say so. And fabrication, invention, stuff like that. Yeah.
2: How does the sculpture play into the the is that play into the costuming? Is that like molding? Yeah. Yeah. And are you inventing anything that goes in your utility belt? Uh
3: Yes, I've got some ideas for things, but I still need to uh, come up with more information and solutions to a lot of that stuff. But um, I love it. In terms of, um, well, I've been working on my cowl for, you know, I don't know, seven months, the sculpture for it.
0: Dope. Really. Dope.
3: Um, and I'm, you know, I'm getting there. Um, but I'm also learning as I'm doing it, so it's taking a lot more, a lot longer than it should, than it normally would if I had the skill level. Um, but um that's going to have a lot of cool elements to it that other cows have never had. so. Huh. Rad. Yeah.
0: That's really rad. Yeah. We have one more clip we were going to play. Um, You know, I I feel like I should be prefacing before the clip. If you can give your past self just one right off the bat, doesn't, you don't have to think too hard about it. One piece of advice to your 12 year old self. Cause what you're doing now is fantastic. And you know you're coming into your own uh, still we're all growing up in some way. Any one piece of advice that you can give your past self now as an a, you know, almost 31 year old adult?
3: You know that's such a hard question to answer because I anything that comes to mind is only going would only give my 12 year old self a sense. I would only be coming from any, uh, it would only be, uh, it would only come off as something I regret, you know, and I wouldn't want to tell my 12-year-old self to watch out for something that I regret, because my 12-year-old self, because uh, I don't know if I regret those things yet.
0: <laughs> we have an interesting clip uh, to play for you uh, called Abe's Advice. It's. I don't really know
2: if it needs any introduction, so we'll just play it. You got it.
4: Now Abe wants to say something, whatever he wants to say, I don't give a damn, so we uh, so probably race it anyway, but oh, so do you wish it's going to snow this year? No, nah, I was just wondering. If you think it's going to snow this year, reply. How about Abe's advice? No, not. Abe's advice. Don't ever masturbate in front of your mother. <laughs> um, but
3: do
1: you think it's going to snow this year yet? <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty sound advice. Yeah.
2: I, uh, <laughs> I'd stick with that. Oh my god.
1: Uh, presented without comments? <laughs> you, but
0: whenever you say presented without comment, you obviously are making a comment. Um, gosh. This,
3: I realized that, you know, saying things can implicate you in them. <laughs> It was only about two years ago that I actually realized that.
0: What was the event? Is there uh, an event uh, that you feel like sharing that brought you to that conclusion?
3: Uh, Many, many events. Too many to cover (laughs) over time. All right. Sure. (laughs) Like more moments of Abe's advice over the course of the last 25 years, 20 years. I don't know. I'm guesstimating way off here. I I didn't eat all the chocolates, darling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a it's it is a good one, uh, and certainly a brazen one for somebody in sixth grade to make. Uh, and you're speaking on behalf of the what people don't want to say, probably.
1: And of all of the advice that an eleven or twelve year old could could give that would still hold up almost twenty years later.
2: I mean, for your yeah. entire life, I think. I think.
1: <laughs> right. I think that's one that really is a truly hits home.
2: I, <laughs> I hope it doesn't hit that close to home.
1: But yeah. I hope well, that. I was it, but afraid like,
3: of my mother catching me.
2: Sure. Aren't we all? Was that masturbating?
1: Was that? A, I think I think that was a common adolescent boy fear. Yes.
2: Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, and stuff. It's like, why would she be looking for these? You know.
0: <laughs> um, I, I mean I don't know if I have anything I could add to that. Uh, I, I I was covert, so it never really came up. Um, but that being said.
3: Oh, you on your mother? Oh my god! Oh my god! You poor boy.
0: My, I am. Uh, oh. You can't get away with everything, but um I mean I guess the fact is, is yeah. that you uh you, you, you you're in a Jewish household, you got a Jewish mother.
3: She's always checking
0: in on you and luckily <laughs> it was never that big of an issue. So it's
3: fine. Yeah. Uh, there are certain are worst... you masturbating? <laughs> you talk about it. We can <laughs> uh, I
0: don't feel like talking about it, you know exactly. can we talk about yeah. it another time, please? No, you cannot talk about yeah. it. I think it's kind of worse almost when you're sibling. Um,
3: We're not going to talk about it.
0: Okay, fine. We're not going to talk about it. We do have more show, and we appreciate you being here for any of the show, Mr. Abraham Dans.
3: Thank you.
2: Uh, thank yeah. you for listening to the clips and for uh, I don't know sharing as much as you did, and uh, we look forward to checking back with you in another year or hopefully less. sooner.
1: Less, yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely less. Hopefully we'll have you back sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, forget what I said.
1: Yeah.
3: Have fun on. I, have, I I I think everybody says I don't pay attention. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Have fun on your route tomorrow. Uh, stay warm and uh, uh, thank you again, Abe, uh, and a happy, and an early happy birthday wish to you.
1: We seem to have a lot of people on right before their birthday. It's
0: all my fault. Don't worry about it. It's all some conspiracy. <laughs> <It's> conspiracy.
3: <laughs> you can change it to the birthday show where you interview people on their birthday.
0: I yeah. It's it, every show is a birthday special. It's my it's my birthday present. It's the this is your life um, kind of effect that maybe this show has. the The, the gentleman's name is Abe Danz. If you are in upstate New York, he will be uh, delivering your mail tomorrow. Abe, thanks so much again for joining us again on Lost and Rewound.
3: Thank you. But All um, right, Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz for, Cameron for Diaz
0: life. For life. <laughs> Talk to you later, dude. <laughs> thanks again. Have a good night.
3: All right.
0: Good night. Bye. And we'll be back shortly with another interview. This is the Lost and Rewound podcast. Yeah.
1: Do you want to be on Lost and Rewound? Do you have a Danziger zone of your own gathering dust in your parents' basement? Then send us your tapes. We want whatever you've got. From elementary school spelling bees to high school mixtapes, send it all to Rewound at gmail.com. Come on now. Get embarrassed with us.
0: We are now joined by Sarah Danziger. That's right. Yay! It's a family affair. Sarah joins us uh, from her digs out in New Orleans. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, how how is it down there? I I I can't imagine it's much colder than it is here.
5: Um, it's cold, but I suppose compared to New York, it's not that cold. It's.
1: It was. I think it got up to a balmy twenty-one degrees today.
5: Don't remind me. I wore a light sweater today.
1: We all hate
0: you. You're evil. <laughs> Before we begin, we should preface to say that uh, uh you've told... start that to get along. Before we begin, uh, we should preface to say that uh, in regards to these clips, you've told us your childhood memories are not too strong, but I I have to just. For the record, ask, do you have any real memories about these recordings whatsoever other than what you've heard off-air the past few years?
5: Um, I remember that you always walked around with a recorder, and I remember trying to follow you around to uh, be included. <laughs> I remember you talking with your friends in your room. I could like hear you through the wall, and I, I remember wanting to be involved in every single thing that you did.
0: Well, it, it, sure, I, I think we're all older siblings here and that's a feeling felt by all older siblings when younger siblings want to be included. So um, I guess Melissa could probably take it from here.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. My brother and I are, um, I think we're the same number of years apart. Sarah, how how old are you?
5: I will be 27 in three weeks.
1: Okay. So you and Alon are a little bit closer than my brother and I are. My brother and I are like a full five and a half years apart. And so growing up, actually we didn't have much of a relationship other than me, chauffeuring him around when he was in middle school and I was in high school because just our lives never overlapped. It wasn't really until I was in college that we started hanging out a lot so I, I don't have good insight actually on sibling dynamics and younger siblings, older siblings growing up, all of that.
2: Everyone's looking at me. I also have a younger sister. We get along great uh, marrying her best friend and we're going on our honeymoon to New Orleans.
5: Woohoo! Yeah. Yay. Congratulations.
2: She's giving me a thumbs up from the couch right now while we're recording this. <laughs>
5: When you up coming down.
2: Um in the end of May beginning of June.
5: Cool. Hang me up. The, you uh, got
0: it. What um aside from different weather patterns, what attracted you to New Orleans in the first place?
5: Uh, I think I I it's so hard to say at this point cuz you mentioned I have a pretty terrible memory, but I re, I think what attracted me to New Orleans were the people that the only people that I knew that lived outside of New York lived in New Orleans and they were some of the more interesting people that I knew. There was like a band that I really liked that would come and play in Woodstock and I thought they were a really interesting band. They were, what was they called? They called themselves uh, Dead Man Street Orchestra and they're they're some of my friends and uh, and they lived in New Orleans and I thought that was cool. I didn't really know where New Orleans was back then. I didn't really know anything about it except that... uh, these people were coming through town and playing music I hadn't really heard, so.
1: How many years have you been out in New Orleans now? Three. And you just decided to pick up and move and get out of Woodstock, get out of the New York area?
5: Well, I had lived, I had, uh, was living in New York City after Woodstock, and I had down here just with a friend who needed some help moving down here, and I needed some time away from New York. And so I came down, and I really loved it. I'm a photographer, so... I sort of instantly was inspired when I had I had been living in New York for like three years and had barely taken a photo. So coming down here and nonstop shooting for a week was pretty pretty awesome for me. And then a couple of years later, I moved down here. What
0: is the ultimate takeaway from growing up in Woodstock that got you to get into photography? Was it I think just the the people you met or the music scene? Was there some kind of component of the upbringing you had that brought you into the world of photography
5: somebody just asked me that the other day I was I was assisting a wedding uh down here and I was sent out to the West Bank to go photograph just the groomsmen getting ready and none of them were expecting me so I walked into the room and I walked into someone's house and the groom wasn't there and it was just his buddies eating wings and watching some movie and uh so it was like this kind of awkward three hours of them not knowing I was coming and them just kind of hanging out and one of them like to make small talk leaned over to me and said, you know, like what, what made you get into photography? And I, I like truly really tried to think about it for a minute. And I think it might've been kind of the first thing that I got into where I felt, um, it was kind of my own thing. Like nobody else really, really did it with me. It was like, I was independent from my parents. I was independent from you. I was independent from school almost because it was the only class I could really. I would skip school and go to school and just hide out in the dark room, and the teacher didn't really care at all. He would let me sort of hide in there. Far out. So I think it was something that was sort of like a, an escape from everything else, and, and it was my own thing that I could do with myself, so much so that I could go into the dark room and just sort of disappear, and nobody would even bother me.
0: And you, uh, I guess, it, being a photographer, in high school was to the benefit of a lot of your friends. I know you you know—you were all involved in music, but uh, I guess you just sort of veered away. Not so that much.
5: Really, That was after music. I didn't really, that was those two parts of my life were not didn't overlap. Okay. Um, I uh, And friends didn't really benefit so much from it because that was before the days of digital and it was before the days of um, computers, really, and, and internet and Facebook. So, yeah, I got them developed, you know, at the one-hour photo, but for the most part, they kind of, sat around my room, you know, in boxes.
1: Are there boxes still sitting around somewhere full of your all the photos you took back in high school?
5: Oh, absolutely, yes. They're in my childhood room, next to Elon's childhood room, <laughs> along with all of my college images as well. Well, <laughs> have, your room is
0: still in somewhat of uh, a form like it used to be, whereas my room has been transferred into our dad's uh, office quote-unquote not really much of an office more of just like a uh, a slap together place for him to put his stuff and my room is but a memory now but that goes goes without saying i guess it was bound to happen eventually
1: i feel like that's a moment that most people go through which i didn't because we moved all the fucking time but there's sort of that moment of when your childhood home or your childhood bedroom is no more
2: oh yeah i think that happened uh, in, like, two phases for me. Yeah. As soon as I left for college, it got redone. Yeah. And then uh, after I graduated college, came home for a couple of months, and then left again, it got completely redone as if I had never been there. Um, yeah, but the, then the
5: difference between Elan and I was that he wanted his room to remain his childhood room forever and I could care less. I said right. But then,
2: but then the answers got reversed <laughs> and you yeah. got to keep some of yours and Elan did not.
5: Their but I didn't I don't it's just a it's just a guest room now. I Yeah, mean, yeah.
2: well I didn't I, I didn't mean you got bed. to keep it in that you get to take it with you. I just right. meant yeah. it's some of it's intact, I guess. All
5: right, that's not the, the no, same no, wallpaper. It's yeah. not intact. It's just the closet is filled with my stuff. Yeah. yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah, it's much the same with mine. It's very different except that uh there's probably 10 k- crates of records stacked up in one of those IKEA things in there that I don't know I won't let them get rid of.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean I would be pressed even pick a childhood home let alone a childhood bedroom we moved when i was in fourth grade 10th grade 11th grade then i went to college and then my parents sold the house in the burbs because my brother also went off to school and they wanted to get the fuck out of the suburbs so that's
5: I also think it's an interesting to note that I did not have a ceiling covered in FHM cutouts of women, Whoa. like from wall to wall. And oh, is somebody getting called out? Uh-oh. No, Uh-oh. No, it's actually all over there. Ilan had basically taken apart hundreds of magazines and taped them all over his room. Oh, this so, is my
0: I, favorite I,
2: I, moment ever on Lost and Rewound. Yeah, I can't exactly. believe that. That's amazing. Oh, no, there are photos
0: of it. Actually, the most <laughs> depressing photo is, because uh, I did document it. Um, first of all, I, I have to just say off the, the bat that of all the publications you could have mentioned, you mentioned one that I have not thought of since I was 17 years old. I don't even remember uh-huh. FHM. I, you, you could have mentioned Maxim. You could
2: have mentioned That's stuff.
0: You could have, remember. you could have said details, Rolling Stone, spin.
2: I feel like FHM is better the than stuff.
0: I was going to say, gonna say
4: common,
5: Wait, what? The common denominator is that they were all pictures of, you know, 90s. Actresses and and uh, singers in bikinis.
0: Rachel A. Cook. If you're ever going to listen to this, I just want <laughs> you to know, <laughs> I love you.
1: Still have a thing for Rachel A. E. Cook.
0: Kinda. She is all that.
1: <laughs> I'll say trivia factoid. Do either of you two know what FHM stands for?
2: For her magazine.
5: For yeah. Oh no, for saying, him magazine. For yeah, him. him. Yeah. Right. I, yeah.
2: Yeah. For her doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't. For
0: her. <laughs> <laughs> for her. It maybe some form. Um, oh, I, I, I have to – there's no easy way to segue this um, because I would love to continue Just train talking wreck it. about me. Do it's it. Train wreck. Yep. Awkward transition, um, go. Both Melissa and Doug are from the um, Pot- Potomac area, if you will, of uh, the D.C., Virginia area. Um, Potomac. We, Potomac, thank you. Sarah and I did not go on many road trips very often, but there was one time which of which I documented – when we went to Washington D.C., and mm-hmm. that was the first time either of us went to Washington D.C., where I was, I guess, twelve, and Sarah was eight.
1: I believe we, I believe we've heard some clips from this D.C. trip, or you-
0: maybe, um, perhaps, yes. Um, well, our our mother was uh, working at the time, doing uh, her hat business, children's hat and accessory business, because uh, she's by trade a milliner, and so uh, she was down there. And one of the last shows I remember her really going to, at least in that. For that distance but she traveled separately because she had all of the inventory and then the th- remainder of us the three of us traveled um i guess sort of after her and uh we do have a clip actually of what ha- happens when we're in a car for too long because i don't know how long that ride was must have been like six hours seven hours i mean you're not gonna remember but i don't remember either
5: i it- think it's interesting to note that elon it created memories through using his tape recorder, and I, I went the route of photography because I don't remember anything from this trip, nor do I remember most things from, you know, any of that period of time or any of my childhood, but um, I do remember everything I've ever photographed. Well, we do so have... I remember the images from that trip, I yeah. remember the outfit I wore, I remember the pictures we took, but I don't remember a single other thing from that whole trip.
0: Well, let's take a clip of uh, this uh slice of happiness from a otherwise very tumultuous car ride. <laughs> maybe
1: we'll maybe we'll jog your memory just a touch. Now it's time
4: for Sarah the Phantasmic Hi, this is Sarah. Yes, I love the Gorgle, but good things in like that. But today we are in Washington D D. D. Is that great? I've heard- I've heard- Let's do some business, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, there's a good one. But, and now, Sarah the Phantasmagorico will sing! Oh yeah, the sinker, the star, the feast, the star, the tita, the star, the tita, the star, the the you stay, right you stay to me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you got to watch to seat, because I came back. the I'm yeah. of you. I say you are the. No.
2: <laughs> oh. that that's ready to be an anime theme song at any point in time you know That's who perfect did it, sarah.
1: you know what that reminded me of actually um was when we had becca on and for, with her four great hits when she did her ethel merman bit at the end yeah that's that's her sh- style of showmanship you and the night and the star
0: <laughs> oh that, that was a different song um <laughs> was it yeah it's all it's all the same but sarah what'd you think
5: was that an original song or was i they're all
0: original As far as I know, I was actually going to segue it before, but um, now that we've heard it, I guess my main question is, though it all sounds original, it all almost seems as if you were heavily influenced by 90s pop radio, um, whatever that might mean in your uh, melody style, if
3: that's the right way to put it.
5: Yeah, that and Nickelodeon shows, probably, or like cartoons, you know.
0: Do you have any favorite Nickelodeon shows?
5: I used to watch that one with the, where they were all babies, the cartoons, but there are all these ant- characters where they were all babies. Oh, Muppet uh, babies? Muppet babies? No, it's like what was it called? Are you talking it was about like Tiny Toons? Tiny Toons, yeah. Damn right. And that that sounds more like Tiny Toons to me than anything
1: else. And Tiny Toons, I can't remember if it was a spin-off or if they were just done at the same time, but the relationship between Tiny Toons and Animaniacs cuz Animaniacs had all those weird crazy They, they were they
2: were not related. They were just both uh Warner Brothers maybe, productions uh, maybe Steven kind. Spielberg both produced. Of those shows. Yeah,
5: yeah. I was influenced by both of those shows. I
1: think, yeah, I think I associate them and then also later Freakazoid too because they all were in that same back to back to back window after school and el- when I was in elementary school. Yeah, don't, don't
2: get me started on Freakazoid. Uh, That's Tiny my favorite T- of all time.
0: Tiny Toon Adventures was introduced to me in second grade at least. So that goes back way back yeah, to the early 90s. So
1: it was still on the air, for, it had to have been on the air for a while then because you're like five years older than me, and I remember it when I was in second oh, grade. sure,
0: you yeah, know it was in syndication.
2: But, yeah, um, it's, it, it was in syndication, and it stayed good for a long time. So there's no reason to stop watching right. it. Steven Spielberg and it produced, was, yeah, filled with music and uh, references to old singers that none of us had ever heard of before. Right. like, like, we, like yeah, we didn't get yeah. half the
1: jokes on the show.
2: Oh, I mean, but they were they, they were, were still funny jokes. Right, it we just didn't the, get the, the the person didn't matter, and I think they planned it that way. The pop
1: culture reference,
2: yeah. Was there, uh, I mean, a lot of these references probably went over your head
0: as well, Sarah. But, um, I mean, I guess that's sort of beside the point because I didn't get half them either. What was your, uh, uh, I guess, we just talked about TV. What were some of the stations and what kind of music were you listening to um, at eight years old?
5: Oh, I have no idea. Eight years old. What? What grade was I in? Second. grade. You probably be you probably be better at knowing what I was listening to. I'm than testing
0: you. I, I can I can do that, can't I? No, it's fine. Um. Well, we
5: we. You know, let, uh, let's, I mean, let's... I remember my first CDs. I just don't. You know, I, it's so hard for me. I remember Clueless being a big thing when I was younger, but I don't know when I saw that
0: right you had the clue you had the clueless you had the romeo and juliet soundtracks and titanic like every uh, girl was i remember involved. dirty
5: dancing was a show that i would watch and turn off when anyone came in the room that was something Wait, <laughs> i was would, watching
0: that time out you would turn yeah. it off when somebody came into
5: the room yeah because it was way beyond my years and i knew that but i really liked the movie you were afraid of I people. I learned how to kiss from them. That was my first kiss. I tried to do it like it was on in that movie. What? Yeah, you know how they, you know how they, uh, they get on their hands and knees and they lean in. That was how I thought that was the proper way to kiss.
2: <laughs> That's really cute,
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alon. So you're learning good. all sorts of new things about your
0: sister. I love it. No, it's great. Um, this is this is why we do this. Um, I, I, you know, I. And I... I thought you had to
5: wear lipstick. I thought lipstick well, was like duh. the thing you couldn't kiss without it kind of thing. it's not really Wait. a kiss if you're not wearing lipstick
2: yeah exactly. Y- it's,
3: yeah. Not, it's just not right guys the the
1: person who just kissed. you
2: have
5: to kiss with <laughs> lipstick that is
0: a that is absolutely bar none the prerequisite before you do it
5: for yeah. first kiss yes mm. yes i agree
0: if only i had done it earlier i would have kissed a girl long before i was 14 years old <laughs> Fucking loser. Um, if you'd put lipstick on, yeah. I think that might have gotten in your way. Exactly. My question to you uh, is because, uh, you know, I guess I'm sort of alluding to it. There was a clip that we played um, when Kyle Bailey um, was on where we were doing a court s- sort of sketch in the car and you were listening to Mariah Carey. And I guess so, you were really involved in the pop radio sch- schism of. Uh, uh, you know upstate New York's um b-94. yeah b94 or I guess it was k104 so uh,
5: came later but B- b94 was like my first original jam I think
0: you you were listening to that all the time and this was also stuff that was for the most part beyond your years in what you can understand because the topics that were being discussed but it, it's all pop music I guess right
5: mm-hmm
0: you got into rock music Pretty early on too. Uh, what were some of the first bands that you remember buying buying records of as a kid?
5: I mean, most of what I listened to, I just sort of ripped off from you. So that's how I. That's how I was like at the Beastie Boys concert when I was like what ten.
1: That 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 actually answers my follow up question, which was going to be how, as the younger sibling, how much of your musical taste growing up was influenced by whatever Alon happened to, whatever jams Alon happened to be pumping.
5: I mean everything. I mean, when did we go to Beastie Boys?
1: That was. God. I was 96, 97.
5: But, but within like the same year, I also went to a Backstreet Boys concert. So you could see this no. sort of conflicting, you know. I was sort of like wanting to do what was cool and with Elon, and I, I liked the music that he was listening to, but I was also, you know, my, my. Other fellow 9, 10, 11-year-old friends, we, were, we would go to Backstreet Boys. 1998 was, was the
0: year, and I'm sure that Sarah in 1998 would answer differently than twenty fourteen Sarah. In which boy was your favorite, the Beastie or the Backstreet variety?
2: Well, that was a yeah. good era for both of those groups of boys.
1: But they were yeah. very different. Like <laughs> I, who was your favorite Backstreet Boy?
5: Um, I need to look at a photo of what they, Color they hair. are now. Color hair. Let's
1: right, see so if I can restore. It's it was Nick, AJ, Brian, Howie, B. Howie, and Kevin. Oh,
5: I liked. Um, I liked the guy who was okay. I'm looking at their photo right now. I like the guy. Not the blonde one. Not. Or, I don't, wait, let me look at their names. Hold on a second. <laughs>
1: Nick <up>. Carter's the <laughs> kind of blonde, the tall blonde one. Brian not was... Nick Carter. Not Nick Carter. Was the other blonde-ish one who was kind of shorter. sort more of a brown... Yes,
5: that was him. That was the one I
1: liked. You were a, okay, you're a Brian fan?
5: Yeah. Unfortunately, because now I'm looking back and uh, the one with the goatee, not the cool one, but the other guy, much cuter. The, the, Kevin the, was the, the old one. Yeah, he left the group. It's just four of them now. Oh, it's all about Kevin right now. I'm looking at this picture. It's all See, about I, yeah,
1: Kevin. I was always a big AJ fan, which I think is the other one with facial hair. Way too many tattoos, ended up going to rehab.
5: The, the bad boy. Oh, of the, the Justin boy Bieber More of, of The bad boy kind of girl. Yeah, the, the bad
1: so, boy of the boy bands. In the, the same way, though, that like it was funny when he actually ended up going to rehab, because boy band bad boys were always just like sort of the boy band. I guess it was sort of the bad boy equivalent of being like a Hot Topic mall goth. They weren't actually bad. We just...
2: They they were just had brown hair right. and like a little <laughs> bit of facial hair and you were like ooh
1: <laughs> right they just weren't as like squeaky leave it to Beaver clean as sure. the rest of the group.
0: I wish there was an easier way to segue into these clips because we can talk about music all the live long day. There is uh, uh, some very interesting found audio from the winter of 1994. Um, I think we were just you know kicking it at home and this is I guess just a typical. Fight between siblings.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Zealot now. We're kill. Sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got her in a hold. I got her in a hold. Okay. <laughs> got her. <laughs> got her. <laughs> I'll see you. Bye. <laughs> hey, people. Today. Um. My brother mm-hmm. is your. to This is I'll just put something there. So, you get to know. So, Alright, right, 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 this is Sarah And, Sarah. Come huh. on. Yeah, I've got her again. The yeah, I picked her one, two, three. I got her. I'm, I just learned this because it's from my friends. I don't know who they are, but I just keep seeing them. Ow! She- Ow! Oh, boy, oh, you're dead. You are so dead. <laughs> See ya.
0: It was uh, always uh, chaotic, I guess, when we got into it, but that's, I guess, sort of beside the point. It always It's always bound to happen. Do you guys ever have any experiences well uh, of course can I
2: just ask one question about the clip was that at home do you I'm think i'm pretty sure that was at home okay i didn't understand what was happening at any point but <laughs> it definitely sounded like fighting and and uh like headlocks and i can appreciate it
5: sounded, that it sounded like me trying to uh steal Elon's thing away which wow. is, i was about to ask amazing. if
0: it, it's it, it's such a a uh a depth-defying concept because uh, it it seems to be a, a common theme. I guess just to be in, in all seriousness, it's 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 something that does come up all the time. But it's you you had the home field advantage.
1: Yeah, the stealing the tape recorder seemed to be a common activity on the Danziger Zone. So I was that was sort of my question as well for you, Sarah. As a, did you steal a tape recorder a lot? Was that kind of what we we're hearing in this clip? You trying to take the recorder or?
5: I don't remember the specific situation, nor do I remember if I stole the recorder a lot. No but do I, I do know that one of my favorite activities was to um, fuck with Elon. <laughs> sure, well, of course, he was, he was a bit of a target because he was, you know, he was my brother and he was living in the house. And he didn't, he was so nice to me. He wouldn't, you know, he didn't beat me up. He didn't, uh, he didn't really tell on me. So I could really get a lot away with a lot of. Um, pranking of Elon without any repercussions
2: that explains a lot about Ilan's character as an adult I feel like (laughs) would you say that you uh acted out a lot because you
0: were younger and did you feel like you can get away with a little more because of uh being the younger sibling
5: I wish I could remember honestly I um I think I was a little bit of a brat so I imagine I thought that I could get away with a lot just because you you really were not, I mean, you were not a tattletale, and you were not, you, your objective was not to get me in trouble or uh, or hurt me, so I, I probably felt like I could get away with a lot, that's what I'm imagining. A lot of
0: uh, our friends growing up were in the same situation. I would have a friend, they would have a younger sibling, and you would befriend them the younger sibling and it would be all fine and dandy. So I guess the way that we outlined our relationship in terms of the fighting and the playing, fighting, what have you, um, it it seemed like it was a little more serious with a lot of our our, our, uh, friends growing up or it was just, I think, a little more severe in terms of, like, the kind of upper hands, lower hands, if you will.
5: Yeah, totally. I mean, you you were much easier brother to have than a lot of the friends that I had who I would see actually literally beating each other up and uh and you know trying to do whatever they could to get the other one in trouble that was not something I experienced so I I definitely noticed that about our dynamic that I could I had uh I had um more leeway in terms of what I could get away with and uh I'm sure I respected you more than my, my friends respected their uh, siblings. To talk about what we were just to back on the other subject was that I think that maybe the reason I was I was more in tune with what was a little bit older for my age was because you kind of included me in, in the things that you did rather than what other friends were sort of like, you know, locked out of that, of the room, you know, metaphorically speaking. Right. There wasn't
1: <laughs> as much of the exclusionary younger sibling go away.
5: Yeah, no, Elon let me in on everything, which is probably why I have so much you know, airtime on this, on this program, on the Danziger zone. He gave me my own show. He, you know, he really embraced the <laughs> the seemingly annoying weirdo that I was. When I was well, you kid. were another
2: character on the show. You had yeah, your, and, and your younger lost, sister role to play.
5: It was an important addition, a worthy addition, well, yeah. which I think a lot of young people might not have noticed. You know, a lot of people might've thought, you know, the only really cool is my friends and yeah, I Elon think the, had the, the uh, forethought to think about that he had the sort of beyond his year knowledge that uh there there's interesting things in in everything
2: the generalization you could make as a child is that interesting things uh are happening in advanced years and there's undiscovered things you have to be growing growing up to find anything that's new or different and uh including your younger siblings is like no that's for babies i want to be doing what the older kids are doing but there's imagination that gets lost. If you think that way, we have, a
0: mm-hmm. we have a perfect clip. Uh, Melissa, are you going to say something?
1: No, I was just going to add, uh, we've both talked about our sibling experiences. I was going to ask Doug real quick, if he was an asshole to his younger sister at all, or,
2: Oh, I'm sure. Um, we, we, I had a lot of, uh, cousins specifically, a lot of female cousins. So we didn't, there was opportunity for me to be a jerk to many different people so that not just my sister had to deal with me being a jerk. Um, on two occasions, I can remember like hurting her physically without meaning to. One of them was a, a legit accident in which uh, I was in the on deck circle of my dad's softball team and like swinging a bat around and she walked through it and I hit her in the head with an aluminum baseball bat. Whoops. Which had to hurt like, I don't know, just terribly. And I felt terrible. I didn't do it on purpose, but like. You know, if she didn't have an older brother who was, like, swinging a baseball bat around wildly, she wouldn't have been hit in the head with it. Uh, and another time where I shot a Nerf gun at her on purpose, oh, no. like, to hit her, and my dad was furious. And he picked up, uh, like, a teddy bear that had, like, um, like a hard-button nose on it or something and hit me in the head with it and was like,
1: Do you want me to do that again?
2: And I was like, No! <laughs> <laughs> so that taught me lesson not to shoot things at my sister's head because they hurt.
1: Yeah, uh, how much younger is your sister?
2: Uh, three years.
5: Okay, so you guys are relatively close. Three,
2: yeah, four, yeah.
5: But that's not that's so far when you're a kid. That's such a big difference.
2: What? Yeah. Well, my sister was an easy target, but still a human. So there was like no matter no matter the distance there there was always going to be repercussions if she got injured. You know?
1: Yeah, and like my brother and I, the only time we were ever in school together is when he was in kindergarten and I was in fifth grade. Like that was. Sure. That was it. We never overlapped again. So, I, I, if anything, he was the more obnoxious one. I, guess, I, there was a phase, I guess, when he got to be about nine or ten, where he turned into an obnoxious like ten year old boy who wanted to turn everything into a gun and get out of my room. What are you doing? But yeah,
2: guns. That that always happens eventually. Yeah, turn things into ninja stars, bow
1: staffs, yeah, whatever you need. Uh, I I Just still don't understand stuff. it. And I nannied for a couple of years in college too. But there's this phase where boys are from like eight to 12 where everything can become a weapon.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to back. Got to protect your
2: fort. <laughs> no, well that's,
0: well <laughs> you, you never went into the other person's bedroom. I mean, that was just cardinal rule. That was one thing for sure. Um, I, I did want to, um, reiterate, uh, our mother was insistent that when I had this recording, uh, I had this recorder, not for myself, it was for my, me and to include as many people as possible. So, you know, if I was going to bring this on the bus, if I was going to be bringing this to school, what was most imperative was that I was to include as many different people as possible to be as inclusive and you know, thus the base of the podcast being as inclusive as we can possibly That's really. what
5: mom made you do? mom. Oh,
0: yeah, totally. No, there was no way when I got that recorder that I was allowed to just talking at myself, I was encouraged to include <laughs> other people.
5: Yeah, mom. Yep.
0: And so, uh, that being said, you, uh, of course had to have your own programs. Uh, and for those who were paying attention, Sarah, the phantasmagorical, um, phantasmagorical is a, a word that was bestowed into my lexicon from my friend, Ben Anderson, uh, not him specifically, but his mother, who was this this very very fabulous Australian lady who would make up words all the time just because I guess she could. And so she's like, oh, hold on, you—that's just a so fantastic article." You know, phantasmagorical, I don't know. That was a little more British than Australian, but I'll yeah, we'll, we'll give it to you. Yeah, sorry. Um, I, on the fly, Australian accents, You know, I can't really do. I think you yeah, need a lot man. of
2: practice to say phantasmagorical,
1: phantasmagorical. In, a, in another
2: accent. Yeah, yeah. I, I just it's not. It's it's barely a real word. Actually, you know what it is? is not is critiquing, that, just
0: <laughs> noting. It, it, sure. Yeah, actually, I realizing now that I never heard her say it. She wrote it on a birthday card one time or something. That's so that's old. why you
2: couldn't mimic her accent. It's because it, you only read it yeah, in her accent but in your head. it always
0: stuck with me. So who better to give the title to than t- to Sarah? We, um, in, on the topic of inclusion, in creating sort of a fantasy world, I do have something that you will like, uh, all of you, I hope. It's a, a jungle skit that we had back at the house. Awesome. <laughs> Hilariousness ensues.
4: It's time for, that's right, adventures of a sister! This adventure in the jungle. Yes, that's a monkey, my friends. Mirano. And we're having some time! Wow! It's raining in here. <laughs> slither, slither. It's as bad to be a sister, but you have to live with it being a sister in the jungle! Well, that's the way for today's specials is... Sarah's in the forest! But we got such a long of Shhh! Shhh! Oh, oh, our sister.
0: And of course, we, we could have always re-recorded that, but no, we just, we kept it and just pretended that those uh, uh, phone rings were really the bird shirts apparently.
1: I, kids are the best at improvising, though, and just going with it. I mean, I guess kids, they go one of two ways. You either just freak out and it's not perfect and it's ruined forever, or it's totally part of the plan, no problem.
2: Yes, and telephone rings.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: That sounds like a a, a typical...
0: Uh, adventure of a Sister. No, going into the jungle.
5: <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I mean TV. I'm sure inspired a lot of things in me. Watching people do different things on television probably made it seem possible to. I in, in, in enriched my imagination. I started. I I in 19. I just looked it up. But in 1996, *Harriet the Spy* came out, and that was like my. I like loved that movie, and I remember I started spying on you. Like, I started keeping this uh, box with a bunch of documents that documented what time the phone rang and if you answered it and some of your responses and if you ever left to go to the bathroom. And I it, it basically, like, the most mundane stuff, but I wrote it and I followed you around and I listened and I spied on you. Go <laughs> on.
1: Did you learn anything exciting or insightful about pubescent Elan yes. through all your spying? Yes.
5: What did
2: you learn, Sarah? Nothing. I didn't learn anything. Didn't you know. weren't up to shit.
5: You were a boring teenager. <laughs> I don't. I don't, There's nothing that stands out in my mind.
0: I remember that you did. Getting going back to total nineties ness here. The VHS tapes that we amassed over the years, uh, one of which was in fact Harriet the Spy. Um, y- there's a very strong memory I have. Uh, when I, uh, upon going back recently to look for a few VHS tapes where you had had, fact, um, there must have been at least a few VHSs that said, "Be kind, please rewind on them," making me think that you guys forgot would... to
1: take them back to Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah,
0: Sarah. No, it was probably Woodstock video, the one town that just recently, unfortunately, closed down after far too long, really. Um, but yeah, uh, did you steal a lot of VHSs from the video store?
5: They might. Have, I don't. I don't know. I can't say whether I stole I once stole Tic Tacs and then my mom made me go back and tell them and apologize. I
0: once stole a Snickers bar and in my and I didn't know what I was doing and dad got so pissed at me. I remember like yeah. he like as if like he had not taught me at all anything about shoplifting at all. I'm
5: well not- there's this age where you don't really I think really understand that you like you're so in your own world. I remember one time Devin and I went to the the Grand Union when it was still open when we despite, decided to have a spit contest on the window, the front window in front of all the cashiers, no. we thought we did, it was like beyond our comprehension that that was like something we shouldn 't do and that and I mean, we were just like in our own world, so we both kept spitting on the window and seeing who 's got to the floor first, and they were not happy about it, and we were really confused and couldn 't figure out why. We were surprised they even noticed. <laughs>
0: Devin, uh, for those who are paying attention, is uh, Brooks's younger brother. Uh, Brooks, we've had on the show here a number of times. Uh, I do find it quite compelling that uh, some of the best friends you had growing up, because on the, on the vice versa tip, I certainly don't remember having any really strong female companions versus you who had very strong male companions. There were maybe about two I could think of. <laughs> Versus the zero for me. There's only two, but they were very strong. Though they were oh, well, I hung uh, Dev, out
5: with them almost exclusively.
0: Yeah, well, there was Will, William uh, and Vincent, who were our friends, and then there was Brooks and Devon. Uh, so brothers. That that being said, but uh, they were
5: basically Lon's best friends, younger brothers. Sure. Yep. That but, explains it. But, but yeah, you and,
2: and boys of that age are prone to get into spitting contests. I mean, there's like, what else are you going to do? You and Devin had a very
0: uh, a strong relationship, I guess, just because of the fact that you were next-door neighbors, and that uh, led to all sorts of uh, c- cahoots, if you will. Not, I don't know if that's I right. mean, I was,
5: I was also a real tomboy. I remember one time I tried to pee on the tree like Devin did, and then I had to walk up the hill with pee all over myself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was. I'd want to backtrack slightly. That's amazing
2: um, to stealing things. Uh, I
5: didn't think it was fair that he could pee against a tree and then I had to go all the way up the hill to my house so and to go do it myself.
2: Yeah, it's not fair.
5: Yeah, but, well, I, I decided to test out that whether it was just a myth that I couldn't, but apparently it wasn't a myth.
0: How old? This was like when you were nine or ten? or like, Probably. Yeah, it's funny. Wow. Um, you Before about I
5: learn how to pop a squat, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> it all comes eventually. Um, You're about to, to, to so backtrack later. slightly to stealing things. I can remember stealing like candy and stuff like that, and like peppermint patties and stuff. But I feel like if I stole anything major, I probably wanted so badly not to get caught that I tried to forget about it myself. <laughs> I feel like I probably did steal some stuff as a kid, but I strained so hard to be like. Don't get nervous about it. Don't think about it. That now I don't even remember. It, I'm sure it happened.
1: I don't ever remember inadvertently stealing anything or like that. The, when you're slightly younger and you pick up the pack of gum at the grocery store and you walk out with it without even Yeah, thinking. that's
2: what I mean like about the peppermint patty thing. Like, you know, they'd have them by the counter and you just be like, "Oh, I want one of those." It's right. Like grandma's house. Yoink.
1: Yeah, I don't remember so much of that as I do remember when I the height of my angsty goth phase in like 7th and 8th grade stealing a ton of shit from Claire's in the mall.
5: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, me too. Absolutely. Oh, so badly. Like, we went in there and it would look good and we wouldn't be left out. When we left the store, it would be covered in, in uh, tags everywhere, all over the ground, as if it wasn't...
1: Right, with like 12 bracelets oh, I obvious. wasn't wearing when I walked in. And to bring it full circle, exactly. when I was in college, I worked at Claire's for about six weeks around Christmas one year. And I realized after you actually work at that store, you give so few fucks. Like, <laughs> You, you you they cannot pay you to care about that job and they're only paying you minimum wage anyways so all of the 12 year old girls who want to come in and steal um, spike dog collars and those plastic rubber band bracelets just have um, a great time kids please yeah. like just...
0: it's it, you know I'll, I'll talk talk about going full circle I'll tell you um, in re- regards to shoplifting probably my greatest shoplifting story comes in the form of something we were talking about earlier when Sarah was calling me out on the whole um, putting stuff up on the ceiling. Um, one time I was at this pharmacy in town, the, uh, the, the Eckford, the Dwayne Reed, whatever, the, no, it wasn't training Reed, but it was like Eckford, whatever at the time, uh, the Rite Aid now. And there was a Rolling Stone. Eckerd. With, yes, Eckerd. Eckerd, thank you. We Um, had
1: Eckerd all the way down in Atlanta, too. I remember Eckerd.
0: And then they got bought out by Rite Aid. Jennifer Love Hewitt was on the cover of Rolling Stone. And, of course, me being um, of well-minded and righteous uh, teenhood.
1: Full of of testosterone and adolescent indiscretion. (laughs) I, I,
0: I was immediately compelled to do something about... Taking the insert, which was a poster of Jennifer Love Hewitt from the Rolling Stone. I was not going to take the Rolling Stone. That wouldn't have worked because there was a barcode. But as long as I could somehow swing just taking the insert poster from the Rolling Stone, I was golden. And I was golden. I took it, no problems, and it was on my ceiling. So The telltale you... Jennifer Love Hewitt. It... Talk about Rachel Cook. Jennifer dum- Love dum- Hewitt dum- was... Dum-dum. Well, she 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 was in tum, tum. that was my that was my lady
1: uh, speaking of um to back it up and sort of, again make everything loop around even more speaking of hot chicks from the 90s and harry at the spy can we talk about how hot michelle Trachtenberg grew up to be
2: wait for where was she from i don't know even so can we, we?
1: oh yeah Mich- have you seen michelle Trachtenberg no since? i have not google google that what's it, she
2: up to um, looking good
1: she was on go- she was in euro trip and then she was which is when everybody was like whoa michelle Trachtenberg boobs when did that happen um, but then she was on Gossip did Girl for a couple seasons brother? too. I don't know what she's done since then. What's that, sir?
5: Didn't she kiss her brother in that?
1: Yes, she did. She actually, yeah, she made out with her brother in Eurotrip. Or the character was her brother. They were the the, oh. the joke was that they were the worst twins ever. got
0: ah. it.
1: To the point that they got drunk and, um off absinthe in some Eastern European club and started making out. I...
0: We we have uh, one more clip to play. And uh, funny that we were talking about uh, you and Devin um, getting into all sorts of mischief. As kids, I do remember uh, very, very vividly the saga of dyeing your hair and that the both of you pretty much dyed your hair or one of you influenced the other. Could you could you elaborate on that, actually, before we get into that? Who who died there? Who had the idea of dyeing your hair?
5: When was this? The clip we're
0: going to be playing is when you uh, dyed your hair blue. Just to get into it. So,
5: How, What grade was I in?
0: That was when you were. Well, you were going to be turning um uh nine, I believe nine. So no, no, not that? even eight. Maybe either eight or nine. What grade is that? That was uh, second grade, Sarah.
5: I would say maybe I, third. I, I dyed my hair in third grade. You dyed well. your hair I in third I, did, grade. I waited till four. I mean, I think it was my idea. I was into. Do you remember? I dyed my hair a lot. In this, and people made fun of me for having red hair. So it was the obvious move to dye my hair.
0: They made fun of you for having red hair. Yeah. Okay. And so Devin uh, didn't even need to dye his hair, but he did anyway, just to sort of follow in in lockstep.
5: Well, we were punk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> as punk as you can be in
1: third grade
0: Uh, for for one of your birthdays and I'm fairly certain it was when I was in sixth grade and you were in second grade uh, you insisted on dyeing your hair blue the clip, uh, the documentation of it is far too long to play for the show but there is a minute and a half that is of perfect uh, a perfect fit to uh, check out and see what happened after uh, my kid sister dyed her hair blue let's take a listen this is going to be really
4: exciting like we're gonna get a, braid. get a braid for her. Hold on. Now we're gonna have an exclusive. Well, just try again for now, but.
5: We'll
4: right. Sarah, what are your feelings about this? I don't know. We can go right now. All right. All right now here is with, with the blue hair sister with my blue hair sarah danziger yeah how do you uh, feel uh i feel blue mm-hmm. you feel blue Woo! i got the that's okay. my first sleep with blue hair well it's very exciting sarah i think that you, you have exciting <laughs> <laughs> what well i mean for the dancing zone because i mean Everyone knows you have red hair, or well, at least the people that listen to us. Everyone knows you have red hair, but now you have blue okay, hair, look at that. Cool. Deeper depth of dance is things you've never seen before. Okay, <laughs> what a, sarcastic over there. <laughs> yeah right, I'm pretty sure I get a stochastic little picture. Oh hi, oh it's the one, okay. Um, I didn't mean that what I just said, I was just joking, you know. Joke, joke, ha, ha. Joke, joke, ha, ha. You know that? Uh, it's alright. It doesn't matter. I think it's pretty cool that she's doing it. It's her own decision, you know that, all that. Uh, alright <laughs> okay. We'll see ya. Bye. This has been a... Other danger Zone. Wrong one, but bye for now. So,
0: basically, it just seems pretty righteous that you would have the ability, even... Being a younger sibling, notwithstanding, to be that young and to dye your hair at that age because I never would have had the mind to do something like
2: that. Yeah, I, I don't think I could have gotten away with it. I, like I don't think I was there was an option for me to do so. What did in what second if, or third grade? I remember Dad was like so, I
0: was, so.
2: What
1: was I was say, I think I was in sixth grade before my parents started letting me color my hair, and I basically haven't stopped since. But second or third grade, yet hadn't I hadn't even had the idea yet I don't think it would cross my mind that you know I could that's something that I could do and it would be okay that I could change like you know what I mean I, mean, I don't really remember dad being I, so haunted. our parents were
5: artists well my yeah. mom was an artist my dad doesn't like to think of himself he thinks of himself as a, as a craftsman but uh, I think when you have sort of like you know, ex-hippie uh, artist parents, you get away, away with a lot more uh, self-expression than you know, some kids might. I had a lot of more freedoms than a lot of my friends did.
0: So what you're saying is that mom okayed it, dad was not okay with
5: it. <laughs> dad was didn't get that say, I guess. I think if I had the, the go-ahead with from mom, didn't, I'd never, I didn't seek further, uh, you know. Uh, you knew to stop there. Yeah, exactly. And he knew and he made it very clear to not ask him for bit things like that, I think. Cuz if I, if he didn't get if, I, if he didn't say the answer I wanted to hear, then I didn't I wasn't happy. So he just said don't ask me. I think that was his like approach to uh to those kinds of things.
0: How has your uh I mean, maybe this is getting a little too uh, deep, but you know, since then when you knew that you would have to go to one parent instead of the next how has your relationship with our dad um, progressed over time in regards to being able to talk with him in a way that is uh, not just going to end with saying, "Well, ask your mom," <laughs> like you're able to, you know, see his advice in a more sound
1: way?
5: He definitely takes some some more convincing of ideas. I mean, I you know I I do whatever I want. I'm a, I'm am a grown woman, but uh, but he's
1: still sort of your dad sometimes. That he's I not going to say oh, no, but.
5: Well, he's going to tell me how he think, what he thinks, regardless of whether or not I want to hear it. And he, uh, he, the cool thing about him is, is he is there to listen, and he uh, comes around. But he needs, you know, he needs facts and he needs reasoning in order to come around. You can't just, you know, you can't pull the wool over his eyes. You have to make a case for most things.
0: Do you feel like you've learned a lot in that regard? Mom um, just
5: sort of trusts me. Yeah. So-, <laughs> so is the change
1: maybe then more that you've just gotten better at making your case to your dad when you have to or you've I mean-
5: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: That's <laughs> what so the relationship has changed. Smarter. You've just
5: you've learned the rules better. <laughs> I've gotten smarter, absolutely. Yeah, I don't come to him without um, things to support my case.
1: Well,
0: that always
5: been, you know yeah. before I come to him.
0: Right, but that in and of itself is uh, some really good parenting on his part because uh, you, uh, sort of became more fact driven as well in the process.
3: Yeah,
0: I'm not so good at that,
5: but that's fact? okay.
3: Eh,
0: I'm, 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 I'm more just sort of uh, looking at the bigger picture, going by feelings. But I mean, we all know that by
5: now. Reassociation—that's where you get your <laughs> pretty much your inspiration from. Okay. Uh,
0: we ha- we uh, anybody else have anything? Uh cover we we do want to uh get give you some chance to uh talk about what you're doing now uh before we wrap up here we did have one f- clip we were going to ride out literally and figuratively on after this but um anything you want to uh plug shout out
5: um yeah i guess my I know, i'm a photographer i live in new orleans and uh you can look me up at sarah
0: and you've been doing some really cool stuff, uh, recently, you just, uh, got your photography all up on in a calendar, uh, but it's not like a traditional calendar, right?
5: No, it is, well, it's self-published, so it's not like I got it up in a calendar. I, uh, I, I published it, but it's, uh, it's a series, uh, it's called Celestial Bodies, and it's, it deals with the Zodiac and, uh, Kind of fused with queer myth with queer myths that I've sort of made associations to, um, so they're very strange. <laughs> um, you can find it. You can see the series on my website under Celestial Bodies, and if you, I don't have a link on there because it's not not something I want to do for the rest of the year is sell calendars. But I think it will be end up being published in a magazine. So follow my website for for important information. On me. <laughs> no doubt. And for those listeners who
1: want to go out and Google you and find your website, are you Sarah with an H, Sarah without an H?
5: It's S-A-R-R-A-H, and then Danziger. One of
0: the interesting tidbits, uh, that factoid, about Sarah and I is, is that we were both given names that are far too unorthodox uh, for the typical spellings. So, for example, my name usually has one N, and Sarah usually has... At least just one R and an H instead. There's two Rs and an H. So, nu- numerology uh, really is what w- what became of us. Really, just the driving
5: factor. No, the driving factor for the spelling. That's was all of our names equal the same number. And I don't even know if it's like Jewish numerology or what what sort of thing they were into. And in you got in me. The, yeah, kid. your parents were a bunch of hippies. <laughs> Woodstock,
0: baby, peace. Um, so uh, let's played one more clip but uh but thank you i mean look you know what can i say i love you you're my sister and i think we're really happy that you made the time to even hang out with us tonight thank you for your time yeah thank you for Uh, chatting
5: thank you for hanging out with us it's been awesome (laughs) it's good getting to talk to you all as well i expect my check in the mail uh within the next couple weeks
1: it'll show up sometime after our check
5: it's on its
2: way (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's already it's already there it should be there tomorrow In the um,
5: the,
1: <laughs>
0: the clip we're gonna play uh, w- which you're welcome to stick around and listen to uh, and everybody else will um, is just uh, you know I think fitting for the winter due to the fact that it's effing cold it's a, it's, it's a nice little
1: conclusion to to this evening
0: yeah um, so check it out and uh, thanks again to the lovely Sarah Danziger getting uh, involved with us from New Orleans thanks again Sarah
1: mm-hmm
0: talk to you later and this is lost and rewound
4: you're gonna actually get to hear us going down the hill there's a sled if we get so on you we'll try to wash it off but we're gonna hear you go down the sled all right bye all right here we go on.
0: sledding thanks so much for joining us everybody and our again much mucho props to sarah danziger my sister and abe danz my old neighbor and compadre from the bus for joining us on this go around
1: fun hanging out with both of them the sledding was awesome considering how fucking cold it is everywhere on the east coast right now
0: yep sled to work why not <laughs> and while you're I, sledding to
1: work you know i it might be faster than taking the subway some mornings i and while you're sledding to work, you can check us out online at lostandrewound.com. Indeed. Follow us on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. And now, and again on SoundCloud as well. Yes. Lost and Rewound. If it, We're on iTunes as well. Um, and I think you can even email us at gmail lost and rewound at gmail com. If you
0: have anything that you're willing to share with us, uh, keyword willing because you know we, we we're very honest here, and we hope that you will be just as honest and upfront as we are about everything that we uh, did in our past. So if you have any audio,
2: rock it on, bring it out to us, and uh, tell us about it. You seem to be implying that our listeners are dishonest not rather than offering the contrary, them offering them the chance to be honest
0: it's it's more actually if anything just the uh, capabilities of tech of the technology so
1: we can i don't know if you have clips and you have tr- and you need help we'll with we'll put you into the honesty machine <laughs> yes if you if you ha- the, the the point is is if you have audio that you would it's like to share podcasting. we would love to have it and if you need help digitizing it we can help talk you through that as well
0: absolutely I, I i'm calling the honesty machine as the new alternative alternative name for the show
2: aka the honesty machine the AKA right. the honesty. If, if you if you have homegrown audio uh that you would like to process through the honesty machine be in touch with us at lost and at gmail.com and we'd love to have you on the show and talk about it we'll see you next month
1: lost and rewound is hosted by alan danziger and melissa lloyd Produced by Douglas Johnson.
2: Lost and Rewound. Woohoo! Sometimes daddy comes home before we do.